Good day, I'm Anne Dolenschek and you're listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In this episode, we're in conversation with Matthew Kania, the founder and creator of Heart of Motion. He is a true car enthusiast who has made a name for himself in the Instagram and social media community as the car guy. Having started shooting on a cell phone, Matthew, along with other South African greats, started using the Instagram platform and community to become a better photographer in 2012 and has since turned professional, now fully making a living of digital marketing, social media, photography and videography. Grab a coffee and listen as we discuss how advancements in technology and the internet have helped to grow the influence industry, how authenticity remains king, and the importance of relationship building between brands, agencies, and influencers. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salts have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influences. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good morning, Matthew. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you are a very busy man, so super, super thank you. To start off, can you please tell our listeners more about who you are and what your journey was to becoming one of South Africa's leading motoring influences? Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it and for having me on the show. It's always nice to have good conversations. Uh, so my name is Matthew and um, I am a motoring influencer and professional content creator. I do professional photos and videos and I create contents not only for myself, but also for brands. And my journey kind of started in 2014. I was... Um, playing on the app store on on the first iPhone that I got, which is the iPhone 4, got this app called Instagram. And I just used it to kind of share photos and tell people about my breakfast and what my friends are doing with really horrible brown filters. And then I stumbled across a community and this community was doing something called Instameets. And these are people that, uh, for, for those listening, will understand that they're basically the titans and pioneers but at the time, it was a small group of people. Um, those group of people were Uncle Scrooge or Offense Mwase, Gareth Pond, Alexi Portacolis, Austin Malema, the guys now who have basically gone on to become amazing creators in South Africa and the world. And they basically put out feelers and they were doing this thing called an Instamate. And an Instamate was created by Instagram, where basically you get like-minded individuals who had come together and all you had was either your cell phone, which is predominantly us, or a camera, and you would take photos and upload it and explore the city with a group of friends. So I did my first one, and it was beautiful because the guys who did it basically took us to the middle of Johannesburg CBD. And, you know, CBD had this reputation for majority of folk living here that it was dangerous and it wasn't great. But then we went to Nelson Mandela, uh, Mandela Square. We, we basically just saw amazing you know architecture and we just got a really strong liking to um what was around us so it was called gandhi square but it was just beautiful and from there we got hooked and we left and uh, my friend and i basically said well we want to do this again and then pretty much from there we just kept going to meets and from there we built our skill in photography none of us were actually self-taught uh, none of us were actually professional photographers. We were all self-taught and we learned how to shoot basically using our phone and, and apps for color grading. And we just built that on and then eventually developed it into something that we turned into a serious hobby and we developed skills. And over time, you know, you get better at it, you gain a following. And yeah, from there, we got ourselves into niches. Other guys went into architecture, portraits, but I always find myself getting into cars. Um, and I basically just love shooting cars and, you know, I shot on my phone, people were like, what did you shoot this on? Was it a crazy professional camera? I was like, no, it is my iPhone. And then I went from there to basically borrowing a camera and then eventually 
selling my car to buy my dream camera and basically turning it into a full-time career. So it, it became a progression of developing, turning a, a dream into like a nice professional hobby, um, that hobby into a, a reality and that reality into a salary. And over time, I, which I'll explain later, will, will obviously become a full-time career. But I just developed it um, over time and turn it into, you know, monetization where I now shoot for, for brands, companies, agencies, do campaigns. And it all revolves around me getting involved in this app in 2014. How amazing that that grew and it just shows perseverance as well. And I yeah. think for people listening, and we say it all the time when we speak to influencers, they seem like overnight successes, but it isn't at all. Like you've literally been grafting for what, seven years yeah. um, to get where you are. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very important for people to remember that uh, overnight success um, is not that. So Matt, what was your early experiences about or with becoming an influencer, when you actually started getting the attention from brands and, and agencies approaching you, what was that experience like? It was very interesting because I think I, I would be confident enough to say I was one of the early adapters of Instagram. We started playing around in 2012. And then, you know, we only took it seriously in like 2013, 2014. But at the time, it was pretty much about sharing what we're doing in our lives. And once we started getting heavily involved with the Instagram community, we started to notice that people and strangers would just follow us because they liked our photos. And, you know, influencer wasn't actually a term back then. It's quite interesting because the original influencer, as we all know, is Paris Hilton, even though we don't really think of her that way. But she was that person. She photographed everything that she did and from there developed a following. So we didn't even know we were getting to that stages, but we we basically got a following and the following grew and it grew to an alarming rate where people knew us when we started going out in, into those circles. They knew us to be like, oh, are you shooting with those people? It's those guys. Because most people just use the app for recreational use or we used it to like pursue something we were really good at. And over time, uh, the following grew and there was a, a point where it had a decent amount of followers and people were just saying, oh, you, you do really good work. You know, people love your stuff. And we started posting stuff and people actually listen to us and take our advice and send our messages. And slowly but surely we realized that we we're actually influencing a community without actually knowing it. And, you know, we, we develop a following and a sort of brand as you would call it. And then, when you start getting approached by a company, that's when you started to realize how powerful it was. Because as an early adapter, we just use it because we love using things. But obviously, we took it a lot more seriously. But then we came to a point where we realized that our content actually was worth a lot, not just to the community, but actually to companies who would actually want to market stuff. And when it, you know, the journey of becoming that influencer slowly kicked in when we were just doing what we loved and brands would start handing us product and money to continue doing what we loved. And then slowly did we realize that we were now doing what we're doing to influence a community and a brand. But when we started seeing, you know, dollar signs, that's when we realized that this kind of is starting to become a little bit more powerful than we think. And that's when we started being a little bit more clever with what we did so that we could grow the following and to work with more brands to make them more enticing to work with people like us who are now called influencers. That's really cool because like you said when Instagram kind of came on the scene I unfortunately had a Blackberry and it was not for Blackberries <laughs> like it was literally for the elite I think it was iPhone and only later on Android. Well. Yeah. And when I got my Android I was super super excited because now I could join this community but to your point Everyone was using it to just like post recreational stuff with their friends and their families. Yeah. And there was that group of you guys that was like, no, we're taking this seriously. We want to actually explore this as a career. So that was a fantastic move. So let me ask you this. What do you wish you knew back then about working with brands that you know now and that you actually, how would that have impacted how you 
he went about things then? Would it have changed it? I think it would have. And that's such a great question because I still think, you know, influencers and influencer marketing isn't really as regulated as it is in America because America pioneered it very early on. But being first world, they were on top of, you know, all sorts of law and markets and, and pricing. And I think one of the things I wish I knew back then was not over committing to brands and to deals because I would have been a lot further and a lot more established in my career if I didn't do that because I think and it's it's so prevalent today where you gain a sort of cult following on whatever app TikTok Twitter Instagram and then this is all sort of new ground to you and that's the other sad thing is no one's actually educating or shaping the people who are actually becoming very powerful creator. So you've got two opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got one, an uncapitalized, untapped person who's got such a big following, but they just don't know how to monetize it. So they just don't care and they rather just remain popular. Then you've got others who basically ruin the market and overcharge or don't know what to charge or do things for free. So if there was one thing I knew, it would it pretty much to understand the gravity of what it means for an actual established brand who sells product or service you know, that they're approaching you to do something and that you have the right to ask them for money or for something in return, obviously within reason. When you're starting off, you can't ask for millions, but you can ask for something that maybe helps you. So if it's a camera brand or anything that you're good at, like if you do food or cooking or knitting, sewing, if they were to help sponsor you with stuff to help grow your image or brand or to help you continue, then that would be super instead of, you know, just being bewildered with this oh, brand wants to work with me. This is amazing. I'll do whatever you want. Um, not realizing that that brand has so much power over you. And once you've committed and signed, you don't really have any say. So that would probably be one of the things I wish I knew is to understand the gravity of what it means for a brand to work with you and also what kind of say you have in the matter when you're doing this deal or endorsement because no one should be able to control your life and no one should be able to have that much power over you because at the end of the day that's what you built and brought up so why can't you have sort of a push and pull with what they want to i think that's a fantastic point and i also wish that there was somewhere that creators especially the new ones coming in could go and learn all of these things. And I suppose there's now trailblazers. We've been in influence marketing for a while. So there's a sense of mentoring going on. Yeah. But do you think these influencer specific agencies that we see now that kind of act as agents as well, for lack of a better word, for a lot of influencers who sign up to their databases, do they take a lot of that pain out? Because they have the relationship with you as an influencer. They also have the relationship with a brand who wants to work with you. And they kind of take care of doing the contract. Obviously, um, you've got certain negotiations in place with them already. So they already know what Matthew is willing to do, how much his content is worth, and also what you would, would want to get out of it. So it's mutually beneficial. Do you think those kind of agencies are helping the cause to establish that baseline? So it, it's a tough question, and I'll be quite blunt. I, I'd i say that they're helping steer in the right direction, but I would say in general, not a lot of them are helping because, like like I said before, it's it's new territory for a lot of influencers, and no one's actually teaching them ethics, do's and don'ts. So you know, from my experience, I've always found that, yes, they are helping with um, finding work, getting work, getting agreements, all of that stuff. But again, the influencer doesn't really have a say because majority of what I see up online on pitch boards is you must have X amount of followers and they're going to pay you this amount of money. But when you're self-sufficient like myself, I'm like, OK, cool. I understand the following to some degree. But in terms of payment and what you have to do and what's required, I feel like that's a little bit more exploitive. So I think the education of an influencer is very, very important because an, an influencer at the end of the day, just like any business, you start a shop, you've got to know what you are pricing things and how you're going to make profits. So if an influencer, I think, can understand what their worth is 
and what they charge, um, that'll go a long way because who knows what happens behind closed doors. And it's not to badmouth any agencies, but the truth of the matter is that the agency will take majority of the cut and the influencer basically gets paid minimal amount for a lot of work. And, you know, they need to be able to know that their camera, their time, their creative process, all of that costs money. And while it is great to work with the big brand, you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, if from the campaign's budget, the company took 80% and the influencer got 20, it's, it's super unfair and it's still happening today. So yes, to answer your question, they are helping, but no, because honestly, they're not really helping in terms of what should be priced and not priced, unless it was the company that independently um, approaches you and say, hi, we're so-and-so, we want to do X, Y, Z with you. Please, can you send us costing for one post, one tweet, one this, one that? Then it's up for the influencer to obviously price it. But an agency will always have a set budget and a set amount of requirements. But if you're a, like sort of veteran like me working with so many brands, you've done similar campaigns and it's kind of a skeleton and you're seeing that Hmm, you know, for, for what I'm worth and what they're paying, I actually now have the affordability to be like, no, sorry, no, thank you. And the brands will say, why? And I'll be like, well, you don't really want to tell them, but you can actually say, look, I know you guys are taking advantage of me. I'm actually worth more than what you're offering. So I will counter that because I hear you. I know there's certain platforms up and running that will literally put out jobs. And I think we're both speaking about the same one. Yeah that will literally post a job for a brand and they will dictate, you have to have X amount of followers, you're expected to do X amount and they already say, this is what you're gonna get paid, right? Yeah. And then you as an influencer then have to opt in and kind of bid on the job for lack of a better word. So I agree, those guys, you have the option to say yes or no, but I get your point that obviously it's not fairly priced a lot of the times and you're going to get influencers who's starting out or who wants to make a name for themselves who's going to accept that, which obviously screws everyone over. Yeah. I've got no illusion about that. But then there are other platforms that you as a creator sign up for. You've, you have a profile and you actually set your budget yes. for tweets, Facebook, blog, whatever it is. And those are the rates that goes to the brands who wants to work with you. And if they want to work with you, that's what they'll pay. So I agree with you. I think they help, but I don't think all of them help. But I don't want to paint them all with the same brush. No, that's the thing. And like, especially with the agency that you're familiar with, your one and others, what's also great is that we're talking about ones that basically are the middlemen. So they do the contracts, the pricing, et cetera. But there are other agencies that I've worked with where the fantastic thing about them is those agencies are fully independent and they have a total budget for the campaign. So what they do is they would shortlist people and then they would approach people and say, hi, we're interested in working with you for this campaign. Please, can you set us um, a costing for whatever we'd want? And then we'd get back to you. Then they can decide discreetly or they can start negotiating. But the nice thing is once you start saying that cost, the influencer also has terms and conditions of how much he wants to do and how much they want out of it and to build that relationship. So there's, there's nice things because nothing is set. Whereas the other ones, they basically have a set amount. It's, you know, client facing, this is how much we cost. This is blah, 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 blah. And that's when you have like no room for negotiation. So agencies like yours and others where, you know, a brand or company gives you a total budget. And from there, that budget is split between the influencers, that's great because then depending on the relationship with the person and what the influencer costs, then you can allocate that budget to the person if you think they're viable. No, absolutely. And I come back to your earlier point is that's all about that initial education. Yeah. So that we all understand that what you as an influencer accept and do kind of sets the pace for yeah. what might come after. So absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And I think, Let's talk about maybe a bit of a positive of our industry because we know we love it. That's why you and I are both in it. Yeah. Let's, let's not joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's never the same. It constantly changes. 
So what big changes or big shifts have you personally seen in the industry over the last, say, let's say three, five, three to five years, which is quite a lifetime in the industry, yeah. so to speak. But from your perspective, what's changed? Is it good? Is it bad? What are you seeing? Uh, there's a lot of good. So besides what I'm saying, I just, so there's, there's two sides to that because the the sort of semi-negative of what I said stems from the overwhelming positive. And the overwhelming positive is that accessibility. So what I found is a lot more people have access to the platform. So it's no longer a thing that the elite or the wealthy can be a part of. Because let's be honest, you know, you see someone, they're taking amazing photos and content, which is like, sheesh, you know, they they have the affordability to drive there, to own an expensive camera. But now the great thing is everyone now has accessibility. So everyone now has amazing ideas. Everyone now has a smartphone and internet connection. And they've got access to a, a world full of apps. And now creators are taking charge and they, because of that accessibility, their eyes are opened to a lot more possibilities and they're exploring. They're seeing what they like, what they don't like. And what they're seeing is that I can be a creator and I want to be an influencer or a brand enthusiast. And no one is stopping me. All the tools are available for me online. And so what from that is lots of people are now getting involved and they're creating this big market because we don't want to be gatekeepers. The guys who founded it and agencies don't want to be gatekeepers as well. We, we want more creators. We want more talent, more skills. So the big change I've seen is just more people just getting in it and just having fun because that just means that people are enjoying this. I don't want this to be a super niche thing. I want this to be something that, you know, if you're a creative, show me how you're creative. Like TikTok has been such a huge explosion where, you know, it, it was this dub smash slash musically app. And now it's evolved into, you know, how someone at the core of it can express themselves via dance. And it's such a clever tool because I never knew things could be marketed to me via Charlie D'Amelio dancing. And now you're also seeing South Africans who are like, oh, I'm a good dancer. Can I do that? Now you're seeing lots of uh, creators doing stuff with other campaigns. And it's like, oh, it's, it's fantastic. You've got to be happy about that. You can't be someone who's like, oh, there's so many people. It's just, it's good to know because at the end of the day, the more people who are getting involved and the more people who are doing this, the better it is because it means that people are being more clever. Black brands need to be, a little bit more upright in terms of how they need to approach cost, etc. So the more influencers are in the space, the better. So that's the good I've seen. It's just, it's so wonderful as a creative to just see people just creating and people wanting to join the space. I agree with you completely there. As you know, back in the day before influence marketing was even a thing, all you'd see is like these really elite celebrities who got yeah. divorced and was selling things and everyone would, look at stars in their eyes because you would never be able to be one of those people yeah now anyone like you were saying earlier with a good cell phone and who just kind of learn how to use it properly can be that person who is super creative and is super authentic and true to what they like to do and there's literally a niche for everything there is and you it's know? all about honesty because in what I also like the good thing is that from the industry is honesty. And, and the example I always use is George Clooney and Nespresso. And I always tell people when they say, you know, how do you know someone is doing this? How do you know it's legit? And I say, look, when you see George Clooney and Nespresso, you know, he's not really influencing you. It means that he's worked out such a great deal that they've paid him enough to be there. And obviously he likes the product. But at the end of the day, face value, we know that he got paid to be the face because he's a celebrity and an influential person. Now, the opposite end of the spectrum is an influencer who will go to a ethically started up coffee shop. And the honesty is from the influencer because influencers in general always talk about stuff that they fully believe and endorse. Because at the end of the day, before this was a thing, these were products or services that they would spend their hard-earned money on and they would endorse through their friends saying, there's this great coffee shop, there's a great restaurant, this great clothing brand that you should do. And we've seen this through um, a very smallish, but they're now massive, but they're massive uh, in South Africa now, which is Shine. And that all started with a couple of people who did some stuff, 
did a video awesome then it's a bit shaky but because a couple of people who are trustworthy in the space started posting about it everyone's like hmm, maybe i should try that and now it's obviously become such a household name uh with with females just to buy stuff from them because again there's honesty in it where if it was like a lady gaga or another celebrity blake lively or somebody someone who's just like really gorgeous and pretty would be like okay cool yeah i like that but they're a celebrity getting paid whereas if we're seeing everyday people influencers are people that we are touchable and celebrities are untouchable so an influencer you can walk up to them and ask them their opinion and ask them for advice and stuff like that because they're more approachable than a celebrity so that's also one of the good i've I've seen from that it's just that the honesty people trust us more than celebrities to some degree well that's exactly why it is such a big industry right it's because everyday people literally talks about things they really like or love or they should be they shouldn't be doing it just because they're getting paid right yeah um, and their followers follow them because they find them credible. Exactly. They like their niches. They listen to them. And yeah. there's also, if you look at nano influencers who's become quite big, it's yeah. because they speak to their friends, their families, their co-workers and be like, geez, this brand is really good. Love this product. And as your friend, I'm going to trust you. Yeah. I'm, you're not going to lie to me. I'm probably going to try it exactly. for myself. So it's the bedrock of our industry is that authentic, honest feedback yeah no absolutely i love that and i think that's also why we both really love this industry so much exactly (laughs) hashtag no filter that's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people for an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real life situations go check out the salt.co.za they are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing so when we look again at when you want to work with brands or a brand is approaching you or a PR agency is approaching you and saying, Matthew, you know, we've got this brand who really, really wants to work with you. They love your content. We really love what you do. We want to speak to your audience. I mean, that's obviously why people want to work with us. Yeah. What should, from your point, what should they be asking or what should they be doing? What's your expectations from them instead of just going, how's it, Matt? Love your pictures. Here's a check. Yeah. What, what from your perspective, should a, a brand or PR agency approach you with to make it a good deal for you? So I think what's important for people who are listening to understand is that uh, PR are people, and so are people who work in, in marketing. There's a human being behind that. So I, I think, and, and it's so interesting you say that because it's always something that I always have to extract out of them is that, they're people with feelings. So if they approach it with that sort of, you know, direction, it really goes a long way. So when a brand or PR approaches it, it's nice for them to be able to firstly do their homework. So not just think of you as like a number or oh, it's just a category of people. So take some time, do your research on this person because you as PR or marketing should have a preconceived idea of this person and if they could potentially work with you in executing a strategy or a product. So having the research on who you are, you know, what sort of stuff you're posting, your, your language, your audience, all of that stuff's always important so that when they approach you, they say, hi, we've seen your work, we love your work. So then you know, oh, they've actually considered me as a person they've actually taken time to look at my work which means okay there's intention behind it person and also just you know just be straight up and say hey we're so and so love what you do we've had a look at your work and we really think that you'd be a great fit for this upcoming campaign that has to do with a broad spectrum word that you could use and then you can say if this is something that you're interested in please let us know so that we can send you more details then, like I said about it being person to person, then that person can say, hey, listen, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Really appreciate it. Of course, I'm interested. Please send me more information. Then the second exchange can be, okay, great. We're working on this campaign, blah, blah, blah. We're going to work on this product. Is this something that you'd be interested? If so, we are looking at doing one photo, one video, one this. Could you please send us a costing when they give you like a skeleton brief? Can you please send us a costing for this, 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 this? And then you can obviously start having a good conversation and at at times a negotiation instead of just, you know, just saying, 
we're so-and-so, we're looking for people, uh, are you keen, send us costing? Because you want to be able to have a relationship. You know, what happens and, and why I've been so successful in this space is because I've made it about the other person and I've always been intentional saying, hey, thank you so much for reaching out to me, really appreciate it. But then when there's a back and forth, always want to keep that relationship as great as possible because if I can do a good job for them for this campaign, they look good, which means that the chances of them working with me again for something else is high. Instead of me just being like a ticket number when you go to the bank, you know, it's a lot more nicer when someone approaches you as a human being and they actually treat you with a little bit more respect because I'm a creator and I'm technically in your eyes the best at what I do in my niche. So if I can treat you with that same respect and you do that with me, then I'm sure there'll be some great synergy and we can actually get to a place of where we can work well together instead of there being like a weird back and forth. So, and so is not following the brief. Whereas if there's a nice exchange, you know, I can easily pick up the phone and be like, Hey, I haven't heard from you guys in two weeks. Is everything fine? Oh yeah. Sorry. You know, we've been having to deal with pandemic and the, the, the riots and this and that. And then there's like, there's a human element because you can understand, okay, shucks, you know, they're under stress, a budget got cut. But because you have nice communication with them, you're always going to be on top of their mind and there's a nice relationship. So they can say, hey, look, we might pause this instead of you just being dropped. I 100% hear what you're saying. And I think it's that relationship. It's all about building relationships from your side with a brand, from the brand side with you. And I think, again, these influencer agencies are so good at that because that's their jobs is literally to find creators when they start out. They find the bigger guys and they build those relationships on behalf of brands. So when a, a big car brand wants to work with Matthew, they automatically go to the people who's already got the relationship with Matthew who goes, how's it, Matt? You know what? We've got this brand who wants to work with you. You already know this person. You know that they know your work. They know, you know that they know your worth. And they basically just telling you, you know, would you be keen on this brand? Do you think you're a fit from your side? Because I think that's also very important that people forget. It's not just a fit for the, for the influence for the brand, but it's also the other way around. Whether Matthew likes the brand, does it fit your brand values? Will your audience actually resonate with that, right? Yeah. And once it is, it's up to you to go, you know what? happy with this brand, love their, their brief or their skeleton brief. And you tell your agent or the person who's working with you on that side, happy to negotiate or happy to go ahead. And that's where it all, and it literally is, it's relationships instead of now someone coming in who doesn't know Matthew at all, have not to, like you say, start building that relationship from scratch where you might be like, I don't know really who you are. And if they don't approach it properly, because I always, always taught my juniors when I was still in PR. That's the first thing you do is you stalk the hell out of these influences. Yeah. You make sure you know who they are, what they like to do, how, what their favorite drink is. You know, is it coffee? Is it tea? Do they have kids where they live? Because when you speak to them, you want to, to ask them, how's your children? You know, can I send you? xyz i think you'd be great this is your favorite type of tea or coffee yeah let's do something so i think that is very very valid points instead of a generic blanket email we're looking for 20 creatives to be on a campaign send me your rate card absolutely then matthew when you obviously have worked with quite a few brands in south africa do you feel that most brands have a strong strategy element behind specifically their influencer campaign In general, from my experience, no, because what I always end up doing is helping steer the brand, educating them a lot, which I don't mind doing. I just always find it odd that a company of that stature, of that size, has to constantly be taking direction for me. Because, and the only reason why I say it is because I'll do key things and then they'll be like, but why are you doing this? And then I'll explain to them why I'm trying to do that strategy or why I do this and post this. Then they're actually like, Oh, that's actually super clever. So I think it's, and I'm speaking in the broad sense, and not all are like this, but I feel like a lot of companies and brands are treating this or treating influencer marketing as traditional marketing. Like we have a product post about it and they're not doing a little bit more further in-depth research as to how it should be executed. What type of viral content are they looking for? Is it tailored to the influencer? And the only reason why I'm saying that is because 
you know, people listening and, and other industry peers can look at previous campaigns and you can see posts about someone who's doing their normal day to day stuff and it's doing well. And then, of, then all of a sudden an advert comes through and that post tanks and it gets zero, you know, almost zero comments. And like the engagement is like a 10th and people are like, why is it doing so bad? And it's because they're treating it like, oh, let's just give this person a product. They'll post it. Their fans will love it. No. Um, so the strategy should always be tailored around, again, to the previous question, the, the research. You know, you can't give me um, shine clothing to wear because that's not me or makeup or whatever it may be or ask me to do a dancing TikTok because I, I don't dance. So obviously, if I do it, my audience is going to be like, what are you doing? That's just, I'm not keen. Scroll. And if I don't have their attention in a second, it's completely done. But we always love seeing when campaigns do so well, when that brand is such a perfect fit for that person. So in terms of, of, of strategy, I just think um, if more brands can kind of step up and see the, the genuinity of it. So find people who are in the space and find products and services that genuinely fit them. So it has to perfectly slot into their lives and to their content creation or it's got to be a booster to what they are to enhance them. It shouldn't be anything that's so derailed. It's completely odd. And depending on the creator, you can actually, you can be clever and market it in such a great way. But just in general, it's always to find things and so not, not necessarily just to expend budget or just to execute a campaign, which there is, it's a real, uh, you know, problem that, that is faced at times, but just so that, Things are just expressed a little bit more genuine in the sense that people are very, you know, like transparent because I'm, and I'm sure you can also weigh in on this. When, when you see a sponsored post, it's the last thing you want to see. But when you buy into someone's post or production or story and it's so genuine, you actually forget it's an ad. That's what makes you buy into it. Right. So that's what I would really want to see in, uh, from brands and, and PRs, it's just like a very healthy integration of stuff just so that it does well. Because when they report back and it does, you know, badly, it's also unfair for the influencer because the influencer doesn't get considered for it. But then little do we know that that's not even the influencer's, you know, specialty or what they're good at. And at the same time, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, a, it's an odd thing for them because they also decided to take it because they needed the money or something like that. I don't know. But just in general, it's always good to just find a nice harmony and, and to be in sync with what, what is being expressed. So do you think it is just because influence marketing is still relatively new in South Africa yeah. that a lot of people in, in brands, in-house, they just don't have the expertise yet. So they do treat it like the other channels that they are really comfortable with. So you know, you send in a brief, there's strict rules, there's this, there's that, and that's why it tanks. Or do you think it's just literally like, oh, it's a fad. I will just make this work and it will be it will be fine. And then it doesn't because to your point, if it's not aligned with a with a brand and the niche and the actual influencers' values and content, it it just stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I mean, look, I think and, and I'll be very blunt about this. How, like, if you want to learn something, a lazy person will always be like, I don't understand. This is so hard. It's so difficult. But if you actually have a little bit of willpower and you sit down and you go onto YouTube and ask that question into YouTube, which is a search engine, you get the answers. And all of a sudden, people think you're like the superstar. How do you know this? How do you know what to do? So all it takes is just it's a little bit of brand power and effort. Um, because marketing is all the same, but the number one rule of marketing is adaptation. You can't just stick to traditional print and radio for the rest of your life because everyone knows that there's other stuff that's evolved, TV evolved, movie evolved. Now you're seeing the integration of influences into movies instead of celebrities. So I think people are very, very capable and all, all it comes down to is just research and time, like what I was saying before. So if PR agency or brand just does a little bit of research, it goes a very long way. Just like how you can't just get a specific person just to do it just because they're a big name. Sure, if they've got enough title power, they can. But 
there's no point getting a makeup influencer to talk about the new Ferrari that's come out because everyone will be like, okay, what's going on? Um, unless there's a different integration where that influencer is now doing the makeup for a superstar model to make the herd look pretty for the cars. It's a business to get abused and all of that stuff. So everything is possible. And while influencer marketing is still very new in South Africa, it's really not that hard if just a little bit more research is done. So it, all it takes is time and effort. If it's not, if it's treated as marketing, cool, then you've got some foundations of the do's and don'ts and what should be done. But then if you just do a little bit more thinking, a little bit more research, you'll be able to see what can actually fit because what a lot of people in marketing, they'll do the best for themselves. But when it comes to working for brands, it's just like there's so much oversight that happens. So it it just takes a little bit of elbow grease and like five more minutes just to look into something just to be able to get an answer. No, for sure. And again, if you don't have the resources or the time to do that, leave it to the experts. They will guide you. <laughs> exactly. Or you can even just ask veterans in the space or people who are actually doing it successfully. There's actually nothing wrong with a PR agency or brand bringing in a seasoned veteran or influencer and asking them to consult, asking them to sign NDAs and all sorts of stuff such as embargoes, you know, like that's fine because if the influencer is helping them and they're also getting paid, because remember influencers want to do what they do best, but they also want to get paid. So if you ask an influencer to consult for you and make them sign stuff, that's great because they don't mind. Influencers really don't mind sharing their strategies as long as they're getting compensated fairly for it. And I 100, 100% agree with this. So Matt, then after considering all of that, what should brands look for when they want to run influencer campaigns what makes an influencer then a really good fit for brand so it is successful is it still those big followings that that they should be looking for or what really is it i think for a successful campaign to work is again it comes back to research i think a lot of, like I said in the beginning of this, where you have a ton of people who are so much more, you know, on the platforms, there's so much people getting on it. So with that, we also need to recognize that um, people are a lot more clever and intuitive with, you know, with people doing sponsored work, brand work. So it's always important to keep that in mind. So when working with uh, a person, it's always you know, first, first establish to see when you shortlist people, are they a great fit for the brand? Do they speak the brand's language? Would they be a great addition or support for the brand? That's always important because you always want that language to come through as genuine as possible. Secondly, uh, you always have to make sure that this person is not damaging. So they're not obviously posting any kind of bad stuff or anything that could harm a brand's reputation. And from there, then you can obviously nail it down to metrics. So you'd be able to say, we need a minimum of this amount of followers. They need to be posting mostly stills, videos, etc. But those things slightly come after. I think just tone and language is very, very important because we always see campaigns get given to the wrong people. And when they do posts and captions, etc., it looks completely different to what is the normal content, but also just doesn't suit the brand. So I think for anything to be successful, it's just, it's worth brand doing a little bit of investigating, making sure that they are, you know, the right fit for this sort of campaign, or even if they aren't, just seeing how it can just slot in organically to boost them. Because, you know, it, it needs to be two ways. If a brand can boost an individual, when you work with an individual or, or company, then that company or individual should be able to boost your presence. And that's basically the marketing 101. If you want to market your product or service, you want to be able to get as much benefit as possible from the other person. And that can only be achieved when there's a sort of organic unity, if, if, um, if that makes sense. I agree with you. And I would also just add that it also depends on what the brand wants to achieve through the campaign, right? So yeah. If they want to reach millions and millions of people and that's kind of it, then your big macro guys is a no-brainer. Yeah. But if they want conversion, they want people to click through to things, then you also kind of need to look at those other metrics, right? What is yeah. the engagement rate like? Are people responding to that type of content? Yeah. All those things in addition. 
So then, Matt, that leads me to ask you then, what are the great benefits to a brand campaign when they are working with credible influencers who obviously is a really, really good fit for them in the end of the day? The benefits are incredible because, like I said, when there's that amazing synergy, one, you've got that organic ability for an influencer to market the product very, very well. And it's always the thing where you can think about if you get the right person for the right job in any scenario, they flourish. But if you get the wrong person, it just takes a lot more for them to, you know, evoke a, a sense of, let me just do this to the best of my ability. So in order for brands to work with credible people, reaching the right audiences, it, it always works well when something like that is just so, it, it it's unique. Because then, you know, at the end of the day, this person will fundamentally go and purchase this product or service. And that that's a nice thing because, like I said, audiences are super clever. They want to know, hey, will Matt or will this person work with me uh, because they love my product or they're just doing it for a sort of check, if that makes sense? Because everyone knows, you know, when something is so disingenuine, it's like, oh, haha, you know, the the big laugh we all had was when certain celebrities posted about their cell phone endorsement, but then on Twitter, it says sent via Twitter for iPhone, but it was used for another product. Then it's kind of like, okay, cool. That was kind of a boo-boo. Like, why would you do that? Maybe it was a slip up. But then if we know that this person always just posts about it and they're just like, oh, I love this phone. It's great. And they even speak about it offline, how much they use it and they photograph using it. I just think it works so much better because then a brand benefits because that influences audience is in touch with them and they believe what they, they do or bias is correct and fantastic. And then that also just boosts the brand's credibility so much. So yeah, I absolutely 100% agree with you. And I also think what makes it really authentic as well is what we have seen grown in the last year of the pandemic is those real expert um experts kind of rising into into influences. So we saw doctors becoming the new influencers and nurses. And I think also to your point, if you get those experts who people already believe is credible in that space, and you took cell phones for, for an example, if you have a tech person talking about, you know, X, Y, and Z of cell phones, people are more likely to ask questions and to actually look into it. Yeah. Matthew, from your perspective, how do you foresee influencer marketing evolving over, the, say, the next year, especially since everyone's getting vaccinated and it's getting to be post-COVID? I think influencer marketing is definitely going to evolve a lot because what we've seen from um, the pandemic and COVID is that everyone's had to do a, a significant shift into digital, which means that there's been a heavy reliance on new ways of marketing products because the only way we could communicate with each other, with people, our audiences is via social media and apps and, and the internet. And the traditional ways of marketing are very much slowly becoming dead because everyone's going to see, hey, there's a more cost-effective, a more engaging, highly concentrated way of marketing and getting product out there. So influencer marketing is definitely going to evolve. And as soon as everybody is vaccinated and we're back to normal and we don't need masks and events and all of that stuff can get back to normal, everyone's going to be heavily reliant on influencers to market all the stuff that's going to happen because without them, none of it is actually going to be possible because, you know, with our heavy reliance on Zoom and, you know, FaceTime calls, whatever it may be, you know, we don't have the ability to be in person. Everyone's been forced to adapt, to evolve, grow, learn apps. And even the traditional marketers who aren't really tech savvy, they've been forced to be able to get onto these platforms and realize that the guys on TikTok, Twitter, those are the guys who can actually market and build up platforms instead of our traditional print and radio and TV advertising. As much as it is about that, you know, COVID has also forced budgets and cut them quite a bit. No one has access to a lot of the stuff, you know, people don't really have money for um, massive internet bills, uh, you know, data. They've had to like, you know, be conservative with the platforms that they use and the ones that they do use, they want to be engaged on. So I think, you know, post COVID and over the next year, I, I just think I'm also starting to see it that there's just been a major shift in, in digital and, and, you know, personal technologies in the sense of social media for marketing. And I think 
people are slowly going to be putting down the, the mantle of traditional media and focusing on what the future can become. I do agree that influencer marketing is just going to keep evolving and keep getting bigger because we've we've seen that happen. And to, to your point, people were forced onto digital channels. They learned how to navigate influencer marketing, which is great. And it's really, really working. But I don't think traditional marketing will die. I think it will just become an ecosystem where budgets will be shifted, maybe more heavily to digital. But I still think people love seeing those different touch points to kind of reinforce the messaging and to actually lead into that funnel where people go into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and, and I wasn't in any way saying that it's going to completely die. I was pretty much speaking on behalf of the the late adapters. We we work with brands and some agencies from my point of view where they say, oh, well, social media is not really that important. We don't really need it. And now what I've seen is people are like, wow, we actually need a Facebook page. We need a Twitter page. We need a TikTok and Instagram. We need that kind of stuff. And from my point of view, it's those people who are, you know, heavily reliant on traditional marketing. They'll definitely still keep that. And that's a given. It's not dying. Um, and I don't want to be quoted on that. But um, I just think that the people who have been slow to adapt new forms of traditional um, media for us, which is normal on, on social media, I think they've now seen how important it is. And because they've now seen the importance of influencer marketing and social media, we get a higher priority um, and we obviously will, will benefit from being more active in the industry, growing the industry, doing a lot more campaigns. So that's what I'm looking forward to um, evolving. It's just getting other people more involved, growing the industry and having a lot more companies just more involved because they see the benefit of having influencers market their product. Now that I 100% agree with. The late adapters are here. They're finally doing their research and they're finally getting on board with influence marketing. Yeah. And I think they've really seen the benefits of it and they've seen how it, it works. So it's a win-win for everyone, really. Yeah. So Matthew, that comes to the end of our chat. Thank you, thank you again for making time for us. You're welcome. But before we go, please let everyone know where they can find you online if they want to learn more about you and the work that you do. So if anybody wants to connect with me online on all my social media, which is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you can find me at Matthew Kanaya, or you search Heart of Motion, you'll be able to find everything that you need about what it is that I do. And there's a widespread, there's videos, there's stills, there's everything. So if you just go search Matthew Kanaya on Google, or if you hit Matthew Kanaya on any of the social medias, all my profiles will pick up and you'll be able to connect and hopefully we can work on stuff or I'll be able to help you and your company. Amazing. Thank you so much, Matthew, and have a fantastic day. Awesome. Thank you, you too. And thank you to your listeners for sticking along. It was really, really awesome. Goodbye, Matthew. Bye. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.